may certainly do that at this time that way towards Miss Whitney. I heard they're going to go outside and plant a garden. That's what I heard. Play in the rain. It's only freezing. Yeah, huh? As long as he comes home with you, then do whatever he wants. Welcome to new life. This, I don't know, what do we want to call this? Winter evening? Awful sprinter? Terrible, terrible, uh, terrible, terrible day. So, welcome those of you who are brave enough and not sick. I think that's been going around uh, at my house at least, probably at your houses too. And uh, thank you for being here. Welcome all those joining us online at this time. And you can always catch up on any of our series at www.findnewlifeumc.org or on iTunes or on, what's the Google thing called now? Google, is it Google Play that does the podcasts? They just started, just started doing podcasts on, so you can listen to the sermons on your Android devices, those of you that don't have iPhones. Uh, so we're all, we're unified as one can all listen to my beautiful voice while you're driving along in the car, doing Zumba and whatever you do when you listen to pod. Yeah, uh, I, you'll see, I try to keep the beat. Uh, you can speed it up. Um, you can speed it up and it will be good. Well, let's have a word of prayer and uh, we'll begin our time of teaching. Lord, we thank You for Your Spirit. We thank You for rain. Even though it's cold and dreary, we thank You for that refreshment for our earth. That reminder of Your grace. Reminder that when the storm leaves, You are always there. Be with us now. Fill us. Allow us to hear and see and experience You in a new way this evening. We pray this in Your holy name, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Scripture tonight comes from the Acts of the Apostles in the New Testament. Genesis, not Genesis, that's the Old Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts. Chapter 9, the first six verses if you're following along on one of those devices or on your old-fashioned Bible. Meanwhile, Acts is like the Game of Thrones of the Bible. Kind of skips around from character to character. Meanwhile, Saul was still spewing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest, seeking letters to the synagogues in Damascus. If he found persons who belonged to the way, that's us, whether men or women, these letters would authorize him to take them prisoner to Jerusalem. During the journey, as he approached Damascus, suddenly... A light from heaven encircled him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice asking him, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? 
So I'll ask, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are harassing, came the reply. Now get up, enter the city. You will be told what you must do. God bless the reading of the Scripture today. 936 million. It's a significant number. Any takers? What? It does have to do with Star Wars. What a good guess. Do you know what, particularly? That is the domestic gross earning. That is in just the United States over the, I guess, four months, three months, I guess it was in the theaters, that Star Wars The Force Awakens made. $936 million. It is the top grossing film of all time, domestically. Now if you uh, try to figure out how many people that means went and actually saw it, uh, a lot. A lot. Conservatively, about a quarter of the nation which is pretty impressive considering all of the people that don't go to the theater, the people who can't go to the theater. And yes, and that makes up for the fact that some people saw it a few times. So when you ask why are we doing a sermon series on The Force Awakens or Star Wars, the answer is it's relevant. It's relevant. And I'll tell you why, not just because it made a lot of money, and that was just domestic, you know, $2 billion worldwide, just in the theater. They don't even let you know how much the DVDs made. But I know, because I heard Bob Iger talk at the Disney shareholder. No, I am not a shareholder. But I wish I was. If I was investing, when the mega corporations take over the universe, right? That's where I'm going to live. I'm going to live in Disney Corp land, right? They got all the stuff I like. Star Wars, Disney, Marvel, it's all there. It's going to be, be my place. But I heard him talk, the president and the CEO, that in the three months leading up to the film, the last quarter of last year, 2015, it had made in merchandising, just Star Wars merchandise, up until the film's release, $3 billion. Made a lot of money. A lot of people are invested. So it's relevant culturally, but I know some of you are thinking... We don't always have to chase the culture, right? We don't always have to do what the culture says. We don't always have to go where the culture says go. Jump when the culture says jump. But I want you to think about it like this. 1977, actually May 25th, 1977. That was when the first Star Wars film came out. Almost 40 years ago, 38 years and 11 months right now, right? Who's counting? But think about that. Almost 40 years. Do you know what's happened in 40 years? In that time, my entire life, the church has been in decline in the United States. In that time, three generations, my generation, Generation X, the next generation, the millennials, and then the next generation, the plurals, we're calling them today until they think of something better. And then there's even another generation, but they're little, like my kids. They 
have all grown up on Star Wars. Most of the people in those three generations have seen Star Wars. But you know something interesting? The majority of people in those three generations in the United States have not been to church, ever. Have not even walked in. We have three generations of people who have no connection to church whatsoever. Have no connection to what we consider organized religion, but we know truly is the body of Christ. And so Star Wars is exceptionally relevant. And you know why Star Wars that has managed to captivate us for 40 years is relevant because at its core, it is a story about a mystical force that binds and connects the entire universe. It's not some action movie, right? It is. It's not some adventure movie, but it is. It's not just a comedy or romance or anything else. Aliens, right? It's a movie about space. But at its core, it is a story about this thing called the Force that guides us, that empowers us, that can actually change destiny. And so these generations of people that have never been into church, that know nothing about faith, nothing about Jesus Christ, they're drawn to it. They're drawn to what we're drawn to. Resurrection. New life. Hope. Joy. Peace, love. So that's why it's relevant. That's why we're going to talk about it here, not next week, but the few weeks afterwards. That's why we're going to talk about it tonight. And how I want to frame our discussion is using an understanding of faith that's a little different than the understanding we normally talk about. For, for the last four and a half years of new life, at least, and several months this year, we've talked about John Wesley's understanding of salvation, justification, new birth, life, Christianity, faith. And I've used that understanding of grace and that kind of pathway to salvation throughout the four and a half years of new life. Because that's our, as United Methodists, that's kind of our standard understanding, the process of salvation. And it is a method, isn't it? It is a method, it is a process. But there are other ways. Now, I know some of you are quoting Scripture in your head. Jesus is the way, truth, and the life. Are you talking about pluralism? No. Jesus says we travel down a narrow road and we enter a narrow gate. Only through Him can we know the Father. Well, it may be a narrow road, it may be a narrow gate, but that doesn't mean all of our gates are the same. And all of our paths are the same. God loves us individually as people. God loves us individually as His children. Therefore, there are paths. And one path that I have been drawn to much of my life is the mystic path. The mystic path. And there have been mystics in the Christian faith since the dawn of Christianity. Mysticism, of course, is in every religion across the world and at its core is about connection with God. Experience of the divine. That is mysticism. How can we experience the divine. So in my understanding, Christianity is the most mystic of all faith traditions, and I've studied most of them, at least all the big ones. Christianity is the most mystic of any faith tradition because we believe God came to earth and lived among us. And those people who were alive when Jesus was alive, they had a pretty real experience of God, right? And we believe that even today, even though Jesus 
died and rose again and ascended to heaven, we can experience God, that God is alive in us. And so I want to think about this mystic path as we talk about Star Wars and we talk about our faith. Evelyn Underhill, who is one of the great 20th century authors of mysticism, said there is a five-way path. Now, some of you might be familiar with the threefold path of mysticism, right? No? Okay. Uh, so she says there's five ways, so don't worry about the three-way. We'll talk about the five. She says the mystic path, although it's not linear, it's not necessarily you know step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. It can be in and out and all over. It, is, it can be just very free. So some of you who thought you know, the, the Methodist way was a little rigid, uh, the mystic way might be a little more open to you. And it starts with awakening. She says awakening, self-knowledge, illumination, surrender, union. That is the mystic path. The five ways. The five episodes of mysticism. And today as we talk about this entire series, we're going to go through all of those. Right Today I want to look at the first two, awakening and self-knowledge. So to be awakened, first you must be asleepened. Yes, no, that's just asleep, I think is the proper grammar in that one. Okay? You must be asleep. We've talked about this so many times, haven't we? We believe we are asleep. Dead to sin. The mystics talk about it like this. There are two worlds. The world we know and the world of God. There's the world of human beings, the day-to-day kind of life we live, and the world of God. Now, I'm not talking about earth and heaven. I'm talking about the world we perceive while we are asleep. A world of despair, a world of suffering, a world of injustice, a world of oppression, a world there things just seem to decay and die. And then there's the world of God. A world of peace and hope and love and joy and new life and rebirth and resurrection. And for the mystic, the first step in becoming one with that divine, becoming one with God, is waking up to that world, starting to see that world. And that awakening happens in a number of different ways for each and every one of us. And it is almost always paired with self-knowledge. And I'll give you two kind of abstract ways to think of that. Uh, The first one, like the psalmist says, I am a worm. Now, I don't think necessarily the psalmist was saying, you know, I'm I'm dirt. But when you awaken to the greatness of God, you know, God created everything, that God, right? You seem pretty small. And so that's self-knowledge. For some, we call it hitting rock bottom. Sometimes awakening happens when you hit rock bottom. And for some, self-knowledge is knowing, you know what? I'm kind of messed up. Kind of broken. Maybe I thought I had things together and I don't. So those are the first two steps. Awakening, self-knowledge. And they kind of go hand in hand. Now, I can talk abstractly about them forever. (laughs) And you can borrow Evelyn Underhill's book, which is like a billion pages long and talks about every mystic who's ever lived forever. Uh, And it's wonderful. I love it. Uh, But it's a little thick. So what I wanted to do, instead of uh, continuing to talk abstractly, I wanted to do what every mystic has ever done who's ever written anything. 
They've just shared experiences. I wanted to give some case studies. The great, Christ, uh, the great mystic, especially in, in the Christian tradition, the great mystic mothers and fathers of our tradition have shared these beautiful stories. And so I want to give a couple examples of awakening and self-knowledge from a certain movie, The Force Awakens. Now, most of you have seen it because we just showed it last week. If you haven't, you should go see it. It's really good. If not, I'll try to use words that make sense. So I want to start with a character named Finn. Finn was a soldier in the First Order in our movie. For those of you who don't see it or don't understand Star Wars stuff, he was a member, a soldier of the Space Nazis. All right, everybody got Space Nazis? Okay. He was a soldier. He was trained from birth, from a young age, to do soldier stuff. That was Finn. And he goes down to the very beginning of the movie, goes down to a village, just as an aside, the village that he goes to, and you don't know this if you've seen the movie because it's in extra material, which I've heard of it, extra stuff. Not saying I've read anything, but yeah, uh, I know a little bit more on the side. He, they actually go to a village, and the village is called the Church of the Force. They're all, all practitioners of the Church of the Force. Interesting, I just thought as an aside. So he goes down with the First Order, the Space Nazis, and, and they start shooting up these people because they want to go get something. They want to map to Luke Skywalker, right? But they want to get something, and they're going to take it. So the soldiers rain down, right? They're in that white and black armor. Very iconic stormtrooper armor. They'll go down. And one of his friends, his name was Slips. It's not in the movie, but again, knows some things. He dies. And he sees his friend die in, in the midst of this combat scenario. And he's shaken. You actually see the camera shake. His vision is blurred. Something happens. He has an awakening. And then when his commanders tell him to along with all the other stormtroopers, murder all of the villagers. Can't do it. Later he says, I made a choice. Finn has this awakening. Wonderful. Sometimes it happens in chaos. Sometimes it happens in war. It happens a lot at war. Our young men and women who are overseas, there are some pretty nasty awakenings. Sometimes it happens in those very conflictual, stormy type areas but then it goes to self-knowledge and i love this scene in the movie because finn's self-knowledge scene is brilliant so finn decides he wants he wants to leave the space nazis the first order and, and he gets he saves the guy that they caught the the resistance pilot the good guys the allies right and they leave and they crash land on the desert planet jakku where they had this battle and he, he can't find Poe, the other guy. And he starts walking through the desert. And he's wearing his stormtrooper armor, that iconic white armor. And as he's walking in the desert, yes, out of necessity, but the, the imagery is beautiful. He starts shedding away pieces of that armor. Starts shedding it away. You see, Finn had an awakening and he realized this isn't who I am. I'm not some soldier. I'm not some person that's just meant to listen to other people and tell told kill this person kill that person and so that symbol that is uniformity that is the the world that he was asleep in he starts to shed it piece by piece 
for many of us, self-knowledge is that. It's shedding all of those layers, all those walls we put up, all that armor, right, we've put on and letting it go. So there's awakening and self-knowledge for Finn. Our second character, the best character, the new character everybody loves, Ray. Ray is this little orphan girl. Not real little by the time the movie starts, but she was abandoned at a young age on this desert planet, isolated, alone. She's a scavenger. She spends her days in this metallic graveyard looking for scraps to sell just to eat, just to survive. And she does it because she's waiting for someone to come, her family, she thinks, and get her. So she's living this very isolated, very lonely, very hopeless existence. And then things start to change. Little by little, she runs into this quirky little droid. A droid is a robot, right? I probably can't say that because Disney can find us money if I say the word droid, right? Uh, Isn't that copyrighted? Anyway, uh, you know, BB-8, the little roly-poly kind of robot. And he opens her up to this bigger world. Then she runs into Finn as he's running away. And she gets open to a bigger world. Then they get on the Millennium Falcon, which is the ship that my shirt represents right now. And they meet Han Solo, the great war hero. Han Solo, the great smuggler, and his first mate Chewbacca. And their world starts to open. Her world starts to open. And they go to a planet. She's never left Jakku, not since she was little. She goes to a planet that's just forested and, and it's beautiful and green and, and blue and all these colors that aren't in the desert. She goes into a castle where there's all kinds of aliens and all kinds of weird creatures. And she is having this kind of issue of, well, I really want to go home. I really need to go home. But she's having a call to something else. We've talked about Joseph Campbell's call to adventure. That's part of the awakening, this call that's something is trying to wake you up. We've talked about it before. The alarm clock. God sounding the alarm clock. Well, in the movie, the force is sounding the alarm clock and she hears something in the cellar. And she goes downstairs and she grabs a lightsaber. That's a laser sword. Right? For those of you who aren't... I I was going to get props. I completely forgot my props because I have one of these. And I completely forgot it. But most of you know what a lightsaber looks like. And she grabs that and she has a vision past, present, and future, an awakening. Her mind is open to a big world, a world of heroes. She hears voices of Luke Skywalker and Yoda and Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan says, Ray, these are your first steps. Wow, awakening, awakening. And then she has this little conversation because she's terrified. And sometimes when you're confronted with the majesty of God, sometimes when you're confronted with the enormity of the divine, you are terrified. Sometimes when you're confronted with what God's calling to you to do, you are terrified. She's terrified. And Maz Kanata, the little space pirate alien lady, she, she confronts Ray and says, this is your destiny. And, and Ray says, no, I have to go home because they might come back. My family might come back. And there's this beautiful self, we're going to self-knowledge, self-knowledge moment where Ma says, you know, they're not coming back. And Ray realizes what she's been waiting for her entire life isn't going to happen. 
There is no happy family reunion. There is no happy story back where she was. But there might be a happy story somewhere else. Awakening self-knowledge. Now we read uh, Scripture from the Acts of the Apostles, and this is in the era of Acts of the Apostles where we go from Peter and the early disciples to Paul or Saul. Saul at this point, he becomes Paul, right? And Saul was breathing threats and accusations against Christians. We sang a, a choral hymn in college about this. The most terrifying choral hymn I've ever sang in my entire life. I don't, I don't know. I, this has nothing to do with the sermon. I just, it's vividly in my mind. I don't know, remember anything else we sang. We sang the Messiah, if I remember that. But I don't remember anything else we sang but, but this really creepy song about Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through, through 6. So I, that just you can Google that maybe. I have no idea even what it was called. So Saul. Saul is a good religious person. He's Jewish. He's a Pharisee. He knows his stuff. Goes to church every week. Probably on some committees. Yeah? Or several. Paul was ambitious. He was probably on several committees. And Saul gets in his head that here's these followers of the way, which is what they used to call us. I am the way, the truth, and yeah, right? The followers of the way, I like that. Sometimes I talk like that. And he gets in his head that, well, we need to shut this down. Because this is a threat to the one true God. This is a threat to the religion that I know, the experience that I know. We need to shut this down. Poor Stephen's already been stoned to death. Paul was there laughing, right? So he gets up, gets some papers, and he goes to Damascus. Paul, Paul is a jerk at this point. I mean, let's, you know, Paul doesn't have an awakening of, you know, I'm a great person, right? Like Finn in the movie. I'm a, I'm, this is not who I am. Or Ray, you know, just this optimism and this hope that she exudes. No, Paul's a jerk. And he doesn't change. He's just, he's walking ready to imprison some Christians. And the Lord gets him. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? Who are you? I'm Jesus Christ. And Paul is struck blind. Struck blind. And God tells him, I'm going to use you. Paul's the first church planner, right? He plants churches all over the world. God says, I'm going to use you. Paul didn't make a choice. Oh, I'm going to follow Jesus, right? Paul said, no, I'm going to destroy this. And God said, no, you're going to come work for me. I'm going to call you Paul. I like how God does that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Simon, I'm going to start calling you Rocky, right? Peter, right? I'm going to start calling you Paul and you're going to plant churches for me. If you want to. He had to make a choice. He did. Paul has this self-knowledge. That's his awakening. Pfft. Believe me, some of you want that kind of awakening, but it always leads to pretty crazy things. You know, if you want that kind of awakening, Abraham, he's just out in the fields one day and, and God says, Abraham, Abram, at that point God you know, changes people's names. Abram, you're going to be a father to a great nation if you follow me, right? 
heard God's voice. Moses, right? Moses gets a burning bush, right? Pretty cool. Everybody who was alive when Jesus was alive just saw God. God was there. We want that. Man, I want that. But, but hear this. Paul was struck blind. Paul had to quit his job, start making tents to pay the bills and plant churches. And, and guess what? Paul didn't have a real nice ending to his life. He was in prison several times. He was stoned a few times. He was beaten a few times. He was in prison, put on trial, and executed. So be careful what kind of awakening you're asking for, right? That's what I'm trying to say. I was 20 years old when I had my awakening. Now, I had had experiences of God. Early on, four or five years old, I remember a very vivid experience of God at at church when I was eight, perhaps the most vivid experience. We had a gospel duo come into church. And, And I don't even think we were in the sanctuary. I think we were in the fellowship hall and I was eight or nine, and I, I just, I just felt. I mean, I just felt that world, that more than me kind of world. I just felt God. You know, I got confirmed and all that kind of stuff, and I went on mission trips and mission projects, and I had good experiences of God. But I, I really, you know, the the alarm was sounding, right? But but I just kept pressing snooze. Time and time again, I just kept pressing snooze. Till I was twenty years old, and and God said. Hey, God didn't change my name, thankfully. Mark, yeah, that's me. I got something for you to do, if you want to. And that's when I knew that day, 14 years ago. That's the day I knew. I knew Christ. I, I, I understood this world in a new way. I understood those feelings. I, I could feel God for the first time, not just know about God, not just talk about God, not just understand, study God, but I could feel God. I could see God. I could hear God. The Spirit was just moving in me. And my self-knowledge was a little different than our previous three examples because for me, at 20 years old, I had my whole life figured out. I had it all mapped out. Year one graduate college. I knew where I was going from there. Going to graduate school. Going to get a PhD. Right? I'm going to go into this profession. I'm going to live in this place. I'm going to marry that person. We're going to have these many kids. That's the kind of person I am. I had everything mapped out. We're going to have one and a half cats. No, I don't. I got about the cats. Probably one at that point in my life. everything mapped out and I realized soon after, it didn't take very long, that all those plans were going to fail. But yeah, I could do those. I could do that stuff, but you know, there was no foundation. It wasn't built on anything solid. It was just going to crumble apart. It wasn't going to fulfill me. It wasn't going to give me purpose. It wasn't going to give me joy or peace or love. Relationships would have been bruised and broken. self-knowledge. Awakening is different for everyone. That's the idea, right? And I could give a hundred thousand more examples and there would still be millions of other examples because awakening happens to everyone differently. For some people, it's like a clash of thunder. For some people, it's like a 
quiet voice. For some people, it happens all at once. For some people, it's a little bit more gradual. And self-knowledge is different too. Some of us just are overwhelmed by the bigness of God. Some of us are just just overwhelmed with a new purpose, a new calling. Some of us are, are, are overwhelmed with, with our struggles, our sin, our brokenness. It's different for all of us. But those are the first, first two steps. Awakening, self-knowledge. And we'll talk about the last three other sermons. Right? They get their own time. Well, why is this important? I'm awake. I'm alive. That's a great skillet song. Awake and alive. If you've ever heard a good Christian song with heavy metal. <laughs> it's kind of a heavy metal hard rock band, but I'm awake, I'm alive. Why do I need to know it? Well, look around our world. There are plenty of people who are still asleep. There are people like Finn who find themselves in terrible situations, trapped in uh, trapped in armies that they don't want to be part of, trapped in armor that they can't break free of. There are people like Ray who are isolated and alone, who think their hope is in something that's never going to come. There are people like Paul who are just jerks, right? Who just need a good slap on the face and say, come on, get with it. You could be so much more than you are. People like me who think they got everything figured out. There are plenty of people who are asleep, so that is why we need to understand because you may not be able to go to someone and say, you know, do you know in Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus Christ? Is He your Lord and Savior? Can I read you some Bible verses? Maybe you can do that. That would be good. Some of us can do that in a lot of different ways. But sometimes we need to approach it in different ways. Saying, hey, you know, what, what do you think's out there? What do you think's the purpose of this whole thing? What do you see? What do you feel? And we can walk alongside people. That's the beautiful thing. We can walk alongside people while they wake up. And remind ourselves, sometimes we need to reawaken. That's why we celebrate Easter every single year. Reawaken, resurrected, new life. That's why we named our church that. New life every day. And so that's why it's important. We need to be able to engage different people and we have tools we can use star wars right you know why not if that's what people are passionate about we can use that there's all kinds of people passionate about star wars believe me super passionate about star wars yeah we can use that we can talk about that but then there's some of us you know in our life kind of like a certain smuggler from a certain movie who doesn't think much about, you know, hokey religions and ancient things. And the one most wonderful part about that is even those people who are just dead set against this thing called faith, this thing called Christianity, this thing called the church, some of those people turn around in, in, in the beautiful juxtaposition of The Force Awakens with the original film is that Han Solo, that character that said, I've never seen nothing called the Force. That's all mumbo-jumbo. He comes and he says, it's all true. All of it. It's all true. So that's what we can do. 
those of us who believe, those of us who have awakened to this path, those of us who know the Lord, we can say, it's all true. Are you looking for more? It's all true. And here are your first steps. Amen. Let us uh, respond. I, I might throw in some, some mystic stuff here in the next couple weeks. That might make some of you uncomfortable. But uh, I would like to respond tonight with a creed. We've been doing the Apostles' Creed. I'd like to respond with the Nicene Creed. I think there's some interesting light and dark. And originally when I was going to preach this series, uh, I, I was really thinking about themes of light and darkness. And there's all kinds of stuff about light and darkness in the Bible, especially in John. Um, but that's not the direction I went, <laughs> so obviously. Um, but I, I really, this, this creed, I think, is, is a good creed to remember. And it's not one that we continue to read all the time. But early mothers and fathers of our church got together and they said, this is what we believe. So let us proclaim the good news as contained the Old and New Testaments and the history of our church found in the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, Father the Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through Him all things were made. For us and for all salvation, He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, He rose again in accordance with the Scripture. He ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end. Amen. That just... Oh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. No, there is a third part to this. We believe in the Holy Spirit too, right? We believe in the Holy Spirit. The Lord, the Giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in the Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Three parts. Let us now transition to prayers. Remembering there are so many who are not here today because of illness. Life struggles. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for the many gifts You have given us today. We thank You for our opportunity to worship with You tonight. Be with us now. Affirm our call. Lord, we pray for all of those who need Your love. All of those who are set apart those who find themselves in the midst of war and oppression, those who find themselves alone and isolated, those who think they know it all, those who 
wouldn't see it any other way. Be with all of us, high and low, middle, those of great importance, those of no importance. You love us all. You know the number of hairs on our head. You call us by name. You knit us together in our mother's womb. Be with us now. In all of those who we are in contact with, allow us to be your grace and mercy. Allow us to be your compassion. Lord, at this time, we just lift up any particular prayers to your heart. Selena, Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for these and many more concerns on our hearts. We ask that you truly allow us to be your body, the church, for all people, all time. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Uh, let us now receive our offerings for the work of our church as we do a couple announcements. Our road rally is tomorrow. Um, Charlie and Joanne emailed me and asked if uh, some people want to meet at Roscoe uh, tomorrow. Um, they might just meet there instead of coming down here. But if you want to meet here and drive up, that would be fine. If you want to meet over at Roscoe, meet up. Uh, you can give Charlie and Joanne a call or email. That would be fine. And we head to Geno's East in um, beautiful, unless it's like today, beautiful Lake Geneva. Um, but the pizza's inside. That's the nice part. I don't know if Jennifer and I will probably not go since Selena's homesick right now. I put your uh, attention to the Kids Olympics coming up. Talk to Brenda if you want to help with that. Make sure that's on your calendar and you can be here. I believe the time is 3.30 to 5.30, correct? So we'll be right before church on that Saturday. A lot of good things, hopefully. By May 21st, it will be beautiful. Pray for a nice day, because we're trying to do most of this outside, I believe. So pray for a nice day. I believe that's it, so let us transition now to the Lord's table. As we do, we join together in this act of confession. By Miss Nancy C. Townley. Let us pray together. Lord, you know how easy it is for us to sit here tethered to our darkness and fear. We get bound up by chains of mistrust. We dare not to hope for so many times before we have been disappointed. So we sit here and wonder where you are. We are not unlike the disciples who wondered also, who feared. Lord, Come to us in our darkness. Flood us with your powerful light and love and mercy. Help open our eyes to the good news of your eternal glory. Give us visions of the place in which love and hope will reign. Forgive our stubborn resistance to your mercy and your love. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us just take a moment to bring to God whatever it is we would like.
however we would like in silence. Amen. Let the light of God's eternal love flood into your hearts this day. Feel the healing presence of God in your lives. Accept God's love and hope for you. This is God's gift freely given for you by Jesus Christ, God's risen Son, our Lord. Amen. We come to the table looking for awakening. That's why we say anybody can come. Don't have to be baptized. Although if you feel comfortable enough to come to the table, you should probably talk about baptism. Don't have to be a certain age. Don't have to have stood up in church and prayed a certain prayer. Don't have to sign up the week before. I've, at least one church I know. You don't want the wrong people to take communion. That's the point. So you've got to sign up the week before. And then you get people two weeks in a row, too, which is good. So you get consistency. Sign up the week before. No, we believe this is, this is Christ's table. You can come here. You don't got to have to any, anything figured out. You don't need any answers. You don't even need to believe in this stuff. You're welcome here. And I believe if you, even, even just a, I don't know, just a microgram of, hey, maybe this is real. I think this could be an awakening moment. I know it's a self-knowledge moment because we, we pray that act of confession every week, right? Saying, you know what? Kind of a jerk this week. You know what? I thought I had things figured out. I didn't. You know what? This week was pretty rough. This was pretty hard. This was a hard week. Or you know what? I, I, I'm really grateful, Lord, for all you've done this week. Whatever it is, it, it can be good, bad, it can be everything in between, but we can come to the table and say, yeah, here I am. And we'll talk about those other things because they can happen here too. But this is so important. So important. So vital. On the night Jesus was betrayed, we remember that He took bread like this. He broke it and gave thanks to God. And He gave it to His disciples and said, Take, eat. This is My body. It's given for you. Do this. Remembrance of Me. After the meal, He took a cup like this and He gave thanks to God and giving it to His disciples. He said, Drink from this, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we just pray and we thank you for this gift of bread and wine. We ask that you pour your Holy Spirit out on all those gathered here and on these gifts. Truly make them be for us your body that we may be your body, the church, redeemed by your blood for this world and the next. Make us one as you are one.
until you come again. And we feast at your heavenly banquet. Amen. I'd ask my servers to come forward. The table is set. Come eat. This is the body of Christ broken for you that you may be Christ's body of the church. Practice sanitary conditions. This is, as an FYI, this is the most, although if we used my wooden chalice, it would be even more sanitary. Wood is naturally antibacterial. I know more things than Star Wars. Okay? And, I don't know, a certain carpenter I follow taught me that. Anyway, this is actually intinction, what we're doing. And we've talked about this, but there's only a few of us here tonight, so I'll talk about it again. Uh, this is actually the most sanitary way to do communion. You know, some people think the... Indi- well, okay. The individually packaged and sealed cups, that is the most sanitary way. I don't know if you've ever seen it. You go to the big churches, you get a little little cup of grape juice, and it's sealed, and then there's a little cracker on top, and it's sealed, and the whole thing is sealed. And assuming that the conditions in the factory where that was made are sanitary. That is the most sanitary. But besides that, this is the most sanitary way because doing it with the little tiny cups, which we have, we, have, we can do little tiny cups. Um, you know, everybody's touching on those little cups and yeah, it's a mess. So you're cutting up the bread. And, yeah. So There's been research. That's what I'm saying. It's research. Okay. This is the blood of Christ shed for you that you may be forgiven and have new life. The table is set. Come and eat.